0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word focus, which Oxford Languages defines as paying particular attention to, or the state or quality of having or producing clear visual definition. So focus is both a verb and a noun. And focus is also one of the key strategies in my guest, Rob Barnett's new book, Next Job, Best Job. If you don't know Rob, he's a headhunter, management executive, author, podcaster, and entrepreneur, and my former VH1 colleague. He's also incredibly generous, sharing indispensable free wisdom on LinkedIn with over 1,000 videos and counting. That's an amazing mentor. Rob, such a joy to have you here. Congrats on the launch of your book.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to see you.
0: It's really great to see you. So let me start by asking you, why did you choose the word focus?
1: Well, I I borrowed it from the richest road in all of real estate. When I ran my own business from 2006 to 2016, we created this wacky thing called My Damn Channel. And about five or six years before Amazon and Netflix were making original series, we were out there in the ocean, you know, with, with, with maybe one paddle <laughs> trying to pioneer our way into digital series. We went up and down Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley, knocking on doors, looking for ridiculous, huge millions of dollars at the biggest investors and venture capitalists in the world. And I joke about this in the book. In every single meeting, we got a free bottle of water, almost no cash. And in some of those meetings, we got the word that we're focused on today, F-O-C-U-S. And what they really meant in giving that advice to young first time companies is that you've got to concentrate on the one thing that you can do best. You've got to build that business and the mistake that they see so many companies making and for you and me and our businesses, I think it's fair to say so many individuals make this same mistake is that there's a tendency to chase shiny objects before you've mastered the one goal that you've really set out. So if it's a business, what they're trying to say is don't diversify. Don't start making all these brand extensions until you've mastered the first one. Stay focused. In my book, we call that the North Star. Mm -hmm. We see so many job seekers sending out a message at the top of their LinkedIn and the top of their resume that says, talent slash producer slash developer slash creative slash executive none of those words are really hyper focused on the one thing that they want to do the most and people seem to be afraid to do that to pick that one word because they think that it limits their options it doesn't it makes it crystal clear to the person i always like to look up and say oh My roof is leaking. What do I need? A roofer, nothing else. That's all I need in that one moment. So I'm kind of obsessed about the word.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. That comes up so much in my work. And it's a human tendency to want to be all things to all people, to want to be liked. And somewhere along the line, a wise person taught me that if you sit in the middle of the road, you're just going to get run over. And you have to figure out a way to skirt the edges. And so I have to stop right away, though, because one of the things you've said, one of my favorite words is mastery. So we can talk about that all day long and what that is on the scale and where it stops being about talent. But it's like any athlete or a musician, you're constantly working on that thing. It's never one and done. It's lifelong learning. It's what are those little things that we do that make a huge impact. But I really want to begin by talking about This Is Spinal Tap, one of my favorite movies of all time. And can quote it forever. And so right away when I started reading your book and, and there you are, you're going to 11 <laughs> right out of the gate. So can we just talk about that and why you chose that? And that's fantastic. And did your publisher say, no, no, you have to use even numbers. Everybody knows it's you have to have an even number.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I started in rock radio and I started in rock radio in this mythical time called the late 1970s. Rock radio itself was only born in the late 1960s. And I was lucky enough as a very young dude to meet and work with some of the original Obi-Wans, the creators of rock radio as it was in its heyday. And when I was 19 years old, I met Harry Shearer. It's a crime that not enough people know who Harry is, but I'll spell his last name for the uninitiated. S-H-E-A-R-E-R. So not only was Harry one of the first ever original FM rock jocks, he's so much more than that. Yes, he's the bass player in Spinal Tap. Yes, he's in all the Christopher Guest movies. Yes, he's the voice of about, oh, I think it's now more than 30 characters on every episode of The Simpsons. He's had a radio show called Le Show that's been on for something like 30 years. He was on Saturday Night Live. He's a working musician. He's an author. Harry is one of the greatest Renaissance men I've ever known, but like you, and so many of my friends were obsessed with Spinal Tap. So that's the fun pop culture side of why my book is focused on 11 strategies. But the spiritual side is something that a lot of people know, love, and share with each other. There's this eleven eleven 11 thing. And a lot of people who get that, whether it's 11-11 AM or 11-11 PM, will just text each other little notifications that kind of... I think it means I love you, I get you, I see you. But if you Google the mystical significance of 1111, you'll go down, I'm gonna call it a happy rabbit hole.
0: I love it. I think I'm gonna shoot you a note on November 11th this year. Also, can we make a note? I believe Harry was also a My Damn Channel content creator.
1: Oh, I left that out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> when I started my company called My Damn Channel, he's the first person I hired. Harry is one of the best political satirists on the planet. So every week we made a video. And if you want to go find it on YouTube, the first ever video, we sat Harry in prosthetic makeup for six hours and he became the sitting vice president of the United States in 2007. He became Dick Cheney and he played him as a lounge singer. (laughs) uh, You got to see it.
0: Got to see this. All right, let's circle back. I want to talk about North Star because I'm a big true believer myself. Um, How did you find your North Star?
1: Well, there are really, there's now a new one, right? There's now a new one. It's called Headhunter. This one was completely unexpected. The North Star originally for me takes me back to that 19-year-old boy trying to meet as many of these rock stars as possible, trying to meet these radio innovators you know i wanted to be and was when you and i were coworkers i wanted to be in the media world working with the greatest creative musicians artists communicators the greatest people in pop culture and you and i were so lucky to be able to not only work with those people at MTV and VH1 But we were lucky enough to have great bosses who gave us freedom, who didn't fire us when we screwed up, who let us come up with the craziest ideas in the world and then put them on television like a day or two later, not not after seven months of meetings where they watered the idea down and sucked all the life out of it. So I, I felt that my North Star ran me chasing and chasing and chasing the heavens for, you know, decades and decades and decades, trying to make great content with the greatest content creators in the world. That's all I wanted to do. But then, like a lot of my friends, I got stuck. I fell on my ass home, unable to get back in sent emails to you and everyone else I know, and said, hi, remember me, I used to be this guy. And it it was just brutally depressing, scary, terrifying, and all the rest. And I didn't know what to do, because it was dragging on for months and months and months. And I couldn't find a way back in. So one day, exactly three years ago, June 2018, in a fit of utter frustration, I grabbed my iPhone, I press record, and I made a very short video speaking about my dilemma, but immediately saying, look, there's nothing unique here. What I'm experiencing is true for so many people I know, we are stuck. Hashtag ibja. I called it I B J A and I made it a cutesy funny name and said we are in between jobs. Again. And why don't we at least put our heads together, start talking about this, see if there's some way to help each other. That was the message. And I, I, I looked a little sad sack. I was kind of bummed out, you know, and before I got scared at how dumb it was or whether I should make a second take like a professional like you would do, I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna post it, you know? So it was kind of shitty looking, but I posted it on LinkedIn and Facebook. And by the first night it blew up. There were just insane amounts of comments and, and, and views. So I realized I had struck a nerve. I didn't know what to do about it, except make a second video and a third video and a fourth video. So I got on that old television habit that we used to teach the YouTubers at My Damn Channel, which is be consistent, find a way to keep it concise, but do it every day, don't miss a day. I, I started playing all those ideas through my mind it was after about 10 or 11 of these that a man called and said listen I'm watching these I love what you're doing I met you at MTV a hundred years ago and I need to hire a chief operating officer is that what this is you're a headhunter and I went yes (laughs) and then I muted the call and I started typing into Google retainer, headhunter, commission, fee, exclusive, you know, all, all the stuff I was afraid I was going to be asked, I Googled. And I swear to you, I faked my way into this. But then when I hung up the phone, it was an epiphany. I realized, oh my God, I just got the answer. The answer is I've run my race, I've done a great job having fun. But now it's time to just turn it all over to helping other people. And it didn't just become a job. It became a mission and it saved me from going cuckoo in the bald head. It's your Uh,
0: vocation. Yeah. Mm. So one, Shonda Rhimes is all over us going, year of yes. Yes. Rob said yes, so easy to say no, but you leaned in and said, yes. That's just a really important thing to point out because for many of us, multiple voices pop up at the same time. You could have easily have told that gentleman, no, I'm sorry, I'm not a headhunter, <laughs> yeah, right. easily, Yes. right? And funny enough, that's how I started my business in 2001. I, I was at a dinner with two awesome women. I didn't really know, but they were entrepreneurs and they were like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I'm starting my own business. I just blurted it out. But it was just, and then the phone rang and someone wanted to hire me. And I'm like, great, I'm open. I'll figure the rest out. I think I need to get an email address and figure out where my mail goes. But So that's a really important thing is you listen to the gut and the voice somewhere along the line. But it also goes to another one of my favorite quotes in your book. And Grandma Janie, we have to have a moment for her right now, is the you know when you know. What does that mean to you and how, when you're t- I wouldn't actually be clear with people because there's one, there's emotional response, but we also have physical responses in our body to the, you know, when, you know, and one is if it's scary in a butterfly's way, that's often a good thing versus scary in a, I want to vomit. And I feel like there's an anvil on my chest kind of way. And those are two different things. So it's part of it. It's lean. So can you even like think back to what you were what you actually physical sensations were plus the emotion around that?
1: I love the way you asked this question. Uh, look, I, I had like many human people, two grandmas. One of them growing up, God bless her, God bless her. She was witchy. She was really mean. She was the kind of grandma that had, you know, the furniture was covered in plastic and you could look at it, but you couldn't sit on it. Came from the depression and she just was filled with angst and, and bad stuff and may she rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Grandma Janie was the goddess of unconditional love. She was born in Liverpool, that place. And she had eight brothers and sisters. She was my mom's mom. And she came over here as a young girl. But when I was a young boy and all through my teens and all into my twenties before she passed, Grandma Janie was that one person in my life that was pure unconditional love, just love. Everything was love. I could do no wrong with her. And when I used to go visit her in, say it with me, Miami Beach, <laughs> you know, where boys like me had grandmas like Grandma Janie, we were both early risers. So we'd get up really early in the morning. And I go into the kitchen, she'd always be in the kitchen. The kitchen was spotless. She would, you know, at 80 something, she'd be on, the, on her knees like cleaning the floor, making it, you know, just perfect. And then she'd be sitting there with her ritual, drinking a cup of tea. And I guess this is true maybe of British grandmas, a little sugar cube. I don't know if you, anybody in the audience knows this. A little sugar, she'd take a bite out of the sugar cube And then she would sip the tea through the sugar. It was this really fascinating. It's a Russian
0: thing. thing. In Russia, that's how to put the sugar cube and drink from the glass.
1: It was so interesting. Yep. So you're bringing me back to this. I'm remembering Mm. it. And, you know, because she was kind of like a second mom to me, I would bring her my problems, you know, whatever my problems were. And if they were problems of the heart, I would remember her saying, you know, like if you'd ask grandma, like, well, what do you think? Is she the one or something like that? You know, she would have this great grandma Janieism and just say, you'll know when you know. So I think the answer to your question and the reason why I wanted to start the book this way is to bring all that love stuff into your career and agree with what your question is pointing towards, which is this is not really a mental thing yet. This is a spiritual thing. This is this is something in your heart. This is like love. Because I, I've always believed from the very beginning that if somebody made the rule that says you're supposed to have a shitty job that you hate, and then you sneak in your fun on weekends and two vacation weeks a year, I never accepted that. I always thought Whoever wrote that rule is an idiot. You know, I want to really like what I'm doing. I want to feel excitement when the alarm clock goes off every morning. So I took all of the grandma Janiism and started the book with this core idea that is now reinforced 10 trillion fold because we've survived COVID. And the idea is, you need to know <laughs> what you really wanna be doing. And the only person that's really got that timetable down is not some stupid HR person that doesn't give a crap about you. It's you, it's you, it's inside. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna wake up just like you did in that restaurant with those friends and say, no, 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 I'm starting my own business, I'm doing this, right? And then the minute that you make that decision, That's like a car that was completely empty in the tank. There was no gas. There was no fumes. There was no nothing. But the minute that you and I go, no, 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 this this is it. This is what I'm doing. It's like the car just fills right up. And now you can at least get a couple miles forward. The gas is the decision. The decision is the gasoline. That's it. You know, if you sit there and go, I don't know, nobody's calling me back. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm kind of open-minded and maybe, you know, all that stuff that people say when they're feeling really, really mad at the world means they're waiting for some external fairy to fall from the sky and go, you will do, you know, but, but I think the, the, it's an internal fairy, right? It's the one that goes fairy dust, magic. Poof, you're 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 starring on Broadway. Go.
0: <laughs> I just love Rob what you just said about the idea that the decision, the action of making a decision massive, because we've moved from being passive to active. But the idea that that the decision is the creative spark, that it is the fuel. And that it, and as you keep doing that, it's now like I guess like an electric car with a rechargeable battery. Just you get in, you're like, oh my God, the battery's full or the tank is full. This is fantastic. The other thing too, is the obvious, but it's hard when you're stuck in it is the focusing on what you can control. And the obvious thing, which we talked about a little bit before is you can control your mindset. It takes a ton of effort and often it requires a coach, a therapist, a spiritual guru, any number <laughs> exactly a lot of things, um, and a lot of forgiveness, by the way. Now I want to segue to something else you bring up in the book. How can I get a job and have a career without having to buy into working with assholes?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like, this will be my second book, by the way, it's going to be easier to write. But in all seriousness, I do want to write a book that's got a part one and a part two. Part one's going to write itself. It's the world's worst bosses. And part two is much harder to write. It's that rare, greatest ever boss, the one that you just love, the one that loves you and trusts you and supports you and rewards you. <laughs> this is The world needs more of those. So the mistake that most people make when they're pursuing the next job is their minds are constantly focused on winning the approval of the person that may or may not give you the offer. I realize that the way to make sure you're not gonna end up working for another asshole is to do the research necessary to vet them while they're vetting you.
0: Mm. you yes!
1: Call people and do some deep background digging on them, just like they're gonna do on you, then they're gonna give you the offer next Thursday you're desperate for a new job, you're so excited, you're gonna accept the offer on Friday, you're gonna start working there on Monday. And then sure enough, like eight weeks later, you find out that the boss is the criminal. But but you could have found that out had you just paused the whole me, 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 me train and make it about them and do your homework and figure it out. And, And the reason why it's easy for me to write about this in the book is that I've been burned many times. I've worked for monsters more than once. I won't name them because I've had a long career. So, so now if we've just survived hell and we're about to go back into the workplace, yes, we need the job. Yes, we need the salary. Yes, we need the health care. But do we need to be tortured to get it? Or wouldn't it be better to just wait another couple of weeks of, oh my God, I don't have a paycheck and, and just do this deep background check. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. If somebody's a monster and you ask around, you ask around, you'll know, you'll hear, you'll hear. And then you got to make that decision that's really best for your life. Not the quick decision of I'm desperate for a paycheck. So what? everybody's a jerk, I'll, I'll tough it out. Back to the rule, just no assholes, don't do it. It's not worth it.
0: It's an essential mindset shift that you just described because one, right, you're starting to think, who do I wanna work with as opposed to for? So you're starting to identify your own value and approaching this as a win-win. And I think also in the process, what you're describing the book as you get to know yourself and finding your North star is understanding where you thrive. I talk about that so much in the media space because if you need the trains to run on time and you need a lot of consistency and structure you may want to go work for dunder mifflin you may not want to work in in media television production any of the number of startups i work for and advise because it's a world where it's really chaotic but that's part of the excitement so if you can handle change and a world you never know what you're going to encounter on any day. That's really important. It's also important to understand that different people thrive with different types of personalities, like how collaborative are you? How how much of a self-starter are you? How much feedback do you need? Uh, and those are all really important. There's no right or wrong. So I think that that's really great. Do your research. And it's really surprising how passive people are when they enter in this process because i think we've just been spent so much of our lives being you know beaten down or grateful for the crumbs that come switching a little bit to a practical thing that i love and i share with you and i learned this from marie forleo if it's not scheduled it's not real so let's talk about something tactical that nobody describes but you and me the incredibly unsexy thing about having a calendar
1: yes I call it the least sexy app on your phone and it's the most important part of your phone in a job search because what the calendar does and it brings us right back to the beginning of this conversation the calendar is the method to focus your job search and and it's the way to stay sane and it's definitely the way to stop spending so much time eating snacks and jerking around and wasting time and really treat yourself like the CEO of you Inc. and put these meetings down one by one, by one, we literally in the book, I think it's in chapter two, we map out for people an actual day, minute by minute, hour by hour in a job search, even before, it's filled up with job interviews. Because I think that you, you need to really prioritize the top two or three things that need to be accomplished every single day. And you know, after I write this book, I've been joking, I'd like six pack abs. Well, <laughs> I've been too busy to get them, right? But, but if, if, I, if I finish this book and now I have all this time left in the day I can get my bot in shape, I can do it, but not without committing to a schedule that you stick to no matter what. Just like it was a meeting that the CEO of the biggest company in the world scheduled, you got to show up for yourself and you got to show up on time and you got to accomplish things. And then we teach people this simplistic little time management tool that I learned a long, long time ago. It's it's as stupidly simple as A's, B's, and C's. But here's what it means in 30 seconds. You write down all the things that you think you should be doing on any given day in the job search, and you come up only with the top one or two priorities. Those are your A's. Then the rest of them are either B's or C's. If something is a C and it didn't make it quite onto the top of the list, then the lesson that I was taught a long time ago is don't ever do Cs. Just stay focused on A's and B's, the things that are the most important priorities each day. And after a week or two or three, your job search will have accomplished some structure and some success. And then instead of just having all these meetings with yourself, the meetings are gonna start filling up with, yes, the person who may hire you but you got to map it out.
0: I find when I'm super deep in the weeds and I wonder if you did this when you were writing, I put things like breathe on the calendar
1: <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. But it is it's helpful, right? As it depends on how OCD you are, but you know, it's helpful because it really just says, you know, to get deep for one second, you can fall apart in a job search. A lot of people fall apart I mean, bad. So if you're just saying, nope, 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 it's 1148. So at 12, I'm doing this at 1230. I'm doing this. It keeps you sane. It really does.
0: That's a beautiful thought. And it's extremely helpful because it's both a mindset shift. And now you've offered some really tactical advice. I love that. Okay, Rob, so right behind you is a staggeringly impressive assortment of vinyl albums as well as CDs. And for all I know, there's some cassettes in there. So, first, fun question if the alarm goes off and you have to dash out and you're never coming back, what are the top 10 you're grabbing?
1: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know. That's a, that's a scare. Oh, ah, that's the scariest question ever. I can only bring 10.
0: Okay, maybe you have a tote bag and you're just throwing it all in there.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there's got to be, let's see, there's got to be Springsteen, there's got to be Beatles, there's got to be Stones. Uh, Somehow, Joni Mitchell is asking me to bring her, so she's got to come. She had a big week. Yeah, I know. Joni keeps doing more social media lately, which is beautiful. Oh, Dylan, there's lots of Dylan coming along. Dylan's in the book, you know. This is shocking to say. We have his permission for some beautiful wisdom that is in this book. It's one of the most, I mean, you and I have gotten to work with the greatest musicians of all time, right? I asked for and got his permission for something in this book, which I'm gonna cry. I mean, who who, who else could help people figure out who they're supposed to be and inspire them to be? Dylan and then Keith is also in the book because Keith's got the same, Thing The last time I interviewed Keith, I said, is it fearlessness that lets you do what you do? And then he said, no, it's not fearlessness. It's it's that I can't be anyone else other than who I am. I just love these people so much. Every morning I come down here and I just, I grab one. And whatever the song is, is the spontaneous daily video message. I don't pre-plan them. I just look at the wall grab something I love. Like today it was Lou Reed, busload of faith. You need a busload of faith to get by because the world can beat the crap out of
0: you. So besides Next Job, Best Job, and your spiritual guides, Bob, Keith, and Lou, what are some of your go-to resources? Well,
1: there are two patron saints for this book. It's funny because I always mention these people to everyone I meet to try to get more people to know who they are. And I usually play a game. I usually say, do you know who this is? And with one is a woman, one is a man. With the woman, nine and a half out of 10 people do not know who this is. Her name is Amanda Palmer, spelled regularly, P-A-L-M-E-R, And your first piece of homework, if you don't know Amanda, is to look for her TED talk, all 12 minutes of it. That's called The Art of Asking. That's your first homework. Then you can do the second most important thing. You can go get the book called The Art of Asking, which debuted when it came out at number seven on the New York Times bestseller list. And then if you want the full Monty, You can go to amandapalmer.net and learn about this woman who I love, who's taught me so much about asking for what you need from the people who care about you. And I'll just leave it at that. The second person is probably known by a few more people than Amanda, but a lot of people don't know this man, and God, I love him, Seth Godin. It's G-O-D-I-N. And if you don't know Seth, look him up. Maybe one of the smartest marketing minds I've ever known. But what Seth and Amanda both have in common is this belief that the best way to build your career is to give away the most of what you know and the most of what you can do to help people. Give it away for free every single day. Don't ever miss a day. And then some people come back as clients. That's the simplest way I can tell you about the massive mental shift that they helped me make when I felt like, well, I'm stuck, so everybody's got to help me. Why isn't anybody helping me? I'm pissed. I'm sad. I'm mad, you know, but, but Seth and Amanda were just like, well, why don't you just start helping everybody you know? <laughs> instead? And that, that's that, that I love them. I love them. Love them. You know, I emailed Seth, I think it was a Friday night at eight o'clock. And I said, I know that you get thousands of requests to blurb every book that's ever been written in business and in marketing but I'm asking you to blurb mine. And then I said something disgusting. I think I said, the publisher says they need it in a week. Is it possible? Please don't hate me or something like that. And then I woke up Saturday morning, the next morning at 8 a.m. He had read it and he wrote it. It was an amazing thing, you know, cause we're not best friends, but he's a giving guy.
0: I just want to sit with that for a moment. That's a really beautiful thought and a lovely place to end this conversation. Rob, you're a gift. And I am so thrilled that you've joined me here. And also I'm thrilled for the gift you put out into the world, Next Job, Best Job, which is available from fine booksellers everywhere in person, in real life and online, I'm sure. And I want to thank everyone for listening this week, your feedback and participation means the world to me. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the button below, and as always, have a great week.